0: This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepperville Mills Baptist Church.
1: Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Joe Carpenter, and today I have the privilege of sitting in the studio with Brother John O. Sims. Brother, how are you doing on this cold, wintry day? I'm doing really good, brother. Um, I had the privilege of...
0: uh, Having a conversation with Brother Derek Melton on the ride into church this morning, and he just made the comment about how Monday always feels like the day after, and it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I do pretty good on Mondays, but every preacher knows that is an expositor and puts it all out there on Sunday that on Monday you are just spent mm-hmm. and tired and. And so it was good to hear that from another pastor this morning, just to understand that we have the same wounds mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of deal with the same things on a Monday. Um, but it's a good tired. It's it's not a bad tired. It's a it's a tired. In the gospel, not a tired of the gospel. Amen. You know? Amen.
1: Kind of like that quarterback for, from Auburn the other <laughs> night, buddy. He got kind of tired there at the end, didn't he? Well,
0: as a Bama fan, uh, we were all tired too, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody
1: knew which way that was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, good. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah. You know, we've uh, we kind of said, I think, early on that during the uh, Christmas season and the holiday season, that we may be, uh, for lack of a better word, a little sporadic uh, with being able to drop a few uh, podcasts here and there. And so that's kind of been what's happened. But, of course, you've had an opportunity to go on vacation. And what a blessing that's been, not only for uh, you and Kayla, but also for the church. And I'm hoping
0: that's what it is for you, brother, and Ashley coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I've prayed that y'all would just be able to completely uh, detach Mm -hmm. and have no worries and just— rest and be healed brother that's been my prayer for you amen thank
1: you and we need it amen and, uh, i see it we see the benefits in you uh when you come back and yes. of course for the church body so yeah. i guess with that being said just we just ask that uh if you're a listener to the podcast on a regular basis please just be patient with us yeah uh, we are hoping that maybe even after the turn of the year that uh, we'll kind of get back to a more regular uh schedule but we're we're hopeful and prayer prayerful that. The next couple of weeks, we may be able to get a couple of them out there, and one of the things that we're doing today, well, today we're going to be uh, discussing a message that Brother Jono preached this past Sunday evening at Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church called Unity in Non-Biblical Preferences, and he preached another message this past Sunday on tithing that we're hoping to be able to talk about maybe next week, and I hope that both of these will be a blessing to you. I know for... Uh, for one thing, that my wife and I had a good discussion about this sermon last night from Romans chapter 14, and uh, just what a blessing that uh, the message last night was and we know will be for us. Uh, One of the things that you were discussing in this message, well, the main topic that we're looking at in this message is what to do with non-biblical preferences, and we've all got them. Uh, you gave us a litany of mm-hmm. what we might call non-biblical preferences. And I was just going to ask if you could, before we start filtering through the grid that you gave us there of those seven guidelines of how to um, how to make decisions in areas where it's the Lord gives us freedom, He gives us liberty. But before we did that, just give us some of those examples that you gave us last night, if not more, about what are some non-biblical preferences uh, that you've seen in your own ministry over 23 years? Well, sure. Uh, I guess the first thing I would say is
0: that we do recognize, obviously, that we are Christians that live by biblical absolutes. Yes, There are absolute uh, commands Mm -hmm. and principles and precepts that are laid down in God's Word for all of us to follow, and those are not up for debate. That's right. Uh, when it comes to a biblical command, we're all to walk by the same rule and to mind the same things. Philippians three right. sixteen, and mm-hmm. you know, forever the Lord's word is settled in heaven. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about biblical absolutes; those are not up for debate. Right, but there are some things that fall into the realm that are not absolutes that come down to where we don't have a clear scriptural principle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Romans fourteen addresses that the entire chapter we kind of focused on the first 14 verses last night Mm -hmm. but paul is kind of addressing that and i guess the classic example just to stick with the bible would be when peter has that vision and i think paul has that in mind in acts of that great sheet coming down from heaven where Mm -hmm. the lord was revealing to peter and us that gentiles were going to be included in the kingdom There were all manner of four-footed beasts and unclean animals in the jewish mind uh, in that sheet and the lord told peter to rise kill and eat and of course peter uh, you know was repelled by that and said lord i've never eaten anything unclean and the lord said well what i've consecrated or what i've called holy don't you call unclean or unholy amen and of course paul uh, born-again Christian, uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit for many years now, understands mm-hmm. and knows and teaches that meat is neither sinful or mm-hmm. uh, wicked or godless. It's neutral. Whether it's offered up on an idol table or whatever, it's nothing. And mm-hmm. Paul knows in his mind that to eat that meat is not a sinful issue, uh, uh, to not eat it if it violates your conscience. He understands that with the weaker brother. Mm -hmm. And he sets out to kind of deal with that in this chapter, Mm -hmm. that uh, there are some preferences that fall under that banner. And uh, that's kind of what we started the message with last night. And I know we spent a lot of time here and Mm Um, I don't but it know. was worthy. I told yeah. you
1: that when we met this morning. I thought I thought it was very worthy. On the one hand, it showed us some of the absurdity of yes. some of the things that we elevate above yep. the Word of God. Right. Uh, but it also kind of caught us up to speed with what some of the things are that are going on in our culture today. You know, Paul's addressing weaker brothers that have a tendency to do what
0: I'm about to say, and that is they'll go to the Bible and, and they'll go 100 miles out there and find some verse out there and they'll relate that verse to this and they'll pull that back to this and they'll pull that back to that. And through a series of eight or 10 links in a chain, they'll bring it up to a contemporary issue and thereby say, okay, now anybody that does this, you're a liberal, you have no scruples, you're not really serious. And we see immature legalistic people do those kinds of things all the time. And Paul's saying in this text, if if you allow that into the church, it can really cause a lot of problems. Yeah. One of the examples I began with that, one of my heroes, Dr. Warren Weersby. Love him. Me too. Mm-hmm. He's with the Lord now, but he talked about how when he was a younger preacher, older preachers told him, you should never, ever have a radio broadcast. You should never preach uh, on the radio because... Here they go, they go out to a verse, hmm. uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, hmm. and when you are a radio program, you're broadcasting through the air, and that's Satan's realm, and that's Satan's domain. Well, let's be honest, brother, that's not a scriptural argument. Right. That's not a prohibition of us doing what we're doing right here. That's right. We're using the airwaves in a godly way, mm-hmm. and... Um, You know, Satan's under the foot of our sovereign Lord, Mm -hmm. and certainly Ephesians does call him the prince of the power of the air, but that doesn't mean that broadcasting something here over, you know, Facebook or YouTube or Mm -hmm. Twitter is is somehow inherently evil. Right. Right. maybe that's not the best example, but that's kind of an example of a preference that Mm -hmm. somebody tries to elevate to a level of a biblical absolute. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one, you know, that's kind of common in our area is the King James Version Mm -hmm. only people. Mm -hmm. And you know, I preach out of the King James Version and I was saved under it, and I memorized all my scripture in it, and so it would be difficult for me to change. Mm-hmm. And I love the King James Version, and I would tell you that it's my favorite translation. Mm-hmm. But that's a preference. That's right. I recognize that the ESV and the New American Standard, and the you know the Holman Christian Standard, and mm-hmm. uh, the the that new version of the New American Standard that uh, mm-hmm. is out now, mm-hmm. and there all there are several credible translations of the Bible. You don't have an ounce of scriptural. Backing at all yeah. to say that the King James Version is the only valid English translation of the Bible. But the whole, but it's good enough for Paul, brother. There you go. Come on, that's right. <laughs> you know, Charles Spurgeon uh, had a very, very strong conviction about using a pipe organ in the church. Yeah. He just felt like that was just an abomination. Mm. But if we were all honest you can't really substantiate that with Scripture, it it was a preference. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in all of these things that we bring up, obviously we need to filter them through Romans chapter 14 to make sure that we're not trying to substantiate some sinful thing. Yeah. But Spurgeon had a conviction, and I didn't bring this out last night, that you should never go to the theater, he called mm, it. Mm-hmm. He he believed that the theater was inherently evil. Well, certainly I would say you shouldn't be going and watching R-rated movies <laughs> yeah. that are filled with pornography and nudity and vulgar language and all this kind of stuff. But if you're asking me if it's sinful to take your child to see The Lion King or, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, Rapunzel or, mm-hmm. or, or some Disney movie. No, I don't, I don't think I have the script. I think that's a preference. Amen. And, uh, that, that's just another example. You know, some churches have a great aversion to bringing food to church. They just have a tradition of thinking that that's evil and they won't build a fellowship hall. And they just <laughs> see any food being brought to church as, as wicked. That's a preference, brother. That, that's not drawn from scriptural And let support. me add, that's not a Baptist preference. <laughs> no, no. You won't find that one in Baptist churches. You know, uh, I was raised, you know, by men saying to me, oh, you should never fish on Sunday. You should yep. never hunt on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we have scripture that says you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. But, you know, if I'm on vacation and I'm off and one of the days I'm off is a Sunday and I hunt, I don't feel like I've sinned against God. Mm-hmm. I'm not forsaking the assembly. Um, I know a brother in South Alabama that loves the Lord. He's a music director at his church. And uh, during the rut, he'll get up because the rut's so short, you know, yeah. he'll get up on Sunday morning before church. They Their service starts at 1030 and he might hunt from 530 in the morning till 8:30 get a good 3 hours in and and then go to church and lead worship. I I can't I don't think that br- necessarily that brother's in sin. He's right. not I think that's a preference, you right. know. And um another one that I that I brought up that can kind of get sticky is birth control. Yeah. You know uh years ago uh, uh we mentioned this this morning. Uh mm-hmm. there was a brother uh, going around teaching that birth control is tantamount to abortion murder and murder and if yeah. you if you do that you, you're in sin and it's it's wrong And the truth is that the scriptures are virtually silent on mm-hmm. this issue now we can draw principles from scripture that it is god's will for us to have children yeah. and to have a full quiver of children and they're the heritage of the lord and they're a blessing from god but i don't think that you can just across the board condemn all forms of birth control right. uh that's a personal uh, priesthood of the believer issue that God left for each individual couple to pray and get with God and and find out you know where they land on such an issue as that. That's right. Um, homeschooling versus public schooling. Yeah. There's benefits to both, mm-hmm. but neither are the righteous way and the other the sinful way. Now, the day may come mm-hmm. that the public sk- school system gets so corrupt and so wicked and so pro- Gay and lesbian, uh, that we have to pull out of mm-hmm. it. But I know here in Bedford County, we still have several public, all of our public schools are still relatively exempt from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a just an in-your-face attack on Christianity mm-hmm. in our public schools. And so I think parents here still have a choice. Yeah. And to just say, oh, well, if you put your kids in the public school, you don't love Jesus. Mm. That's a preference. Yeah. Uh, that, that That's not uh, an absolute it, it might even get more sticky brother mm. here in the south the deep south about interracial marriage mm. there's a lot of people that just don't believe in and would vehemently stand against interracial marriage but brother that's not the word of god that's right there's there's not a scintilla of scripture that would back such an idea right um and matter of fact this whole issue of race we've talked about that's that's yeah. kind of a man made thing It really is and, and um so there, there's not an ounce of scripture to forbid that practice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the bottom line is: do, do the both the people love Jesus? That's are they it. born again? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are they are they serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. Um, maybe just a couple more. Uh, you know, uh, mowing your lawn on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Again, you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But if a guy's worked all week long, he comes to church. He loves the Lord. He goes home, and all he's got's a couple hours on Sunday afternoon. Needs to cut his grass. You can't say that guy's in sin for doing that. That's preference. Right. And if it violates a guy's conscience, like the text says, he shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to say that there's not a brother out there that can't do that with a clear conscience and it not be an issue at all. Right. Maybe the most contemporary um, of these today would be getting or not getting the COVID vaccination. Yeah. There's been a lot of people... In our churches, that wanted to make this a test of spirituality. Yeah, they want to make it a test of whether you love Jesus or not. And yeah, a lot of people have tried to tie it to abortion, or tie it to this, or tie it to that. But they don't have an ounce, not an ounce, of scriptural backing to stand on. Right, it's a preference, pure and simple. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest today. Mm-hmm. I, and me and Kayla, personally chose to go get the vaccine, because we've kind of all always been pro-vaccine people. Mm -hmm. We get the flu shot every year. We just think that's, I don't want to get the flu. (laughs) I, You know, I just don't like having a 104 degree temperature and my scalp hurt. It ain't fun, brother. Yeah. And I don't want to get COVID, you know, and uh, I still call me naive, I guess, whatever you want to say about me, but I still have some faith in our medical community. I Still have faith in scientists in our country. I think they're trying to do their best job to, you know, to find ways to keep us safe and healthy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but there's other people that vehemently disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't think you've gotten
2: it. Mm-mm.
0: Have I ever come to you and said, now, Joe, you need to go get that vaccine. I've never done
1: that. <laughs> right. You know, Mandate it. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's it's your choice, brother. It, you, you, and I don't know who in the church has gotten it and who hasn't gotten it. And frankly, I don't care.
1: You remember what Paul said? Don't ask for conscience. Sake. Exactly. <laughs> I,
0: it's just not a spiritual issue yeah. with me, brother. It's a personal choice, right. purely and simply. Yeah. A personal preference. So maybe that would be the most contemporary issue of what we would call a non-biblical preference. Mm-hmm. But the problem comes in when people want to take non-biblical preferences and hold them up as a test of fellowship yeah. and a test of spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul is defending against in Romans chapter 14.
1: That's what you were telling us last night. You said, you know, basically most of your church splits don't occur over theology or anything doctrinal. It's typically a matter of preference. The carpet's the wrong color or, you know, we sh- we wanted, a, a, what are they called, stained glass windows versus, you know... And that's typically where the splits take place. I read of a recent split, brother, I'm not making this up,
0: but I read of a recent split to where a church was having a fellowship dinner and they had this kind of unwritten rule that, Uh, the adults go through the line before the children. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad rule. It teaches children respect. I kind of like it. But this kid got in line in front of one of the deacons and the deacon saw the kid get a piece of ham bigger than the one he was able to get. And he fumed over it for weeks and weeks and weeks and told people about it. And families got involved and feelings got hurt. And the church split over a piece of ham. And you think wow. that's ridiculous, brother, but that kind of stuff happens all the time. Mm. Sadly, most churches don't split over doctrine. Yeah. They split over silly preferences. Mm.
1: No wonder the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this chapter. Yeah. We need it. Yeah, we do. And and he writes it at, you know, on the tail end of the most theologically doctrinally rich of portion all of, in all of the Bible. Yeah. Which no just goes about. to show that this is how you apply these things. Yeah. There has to be a practical aspect of theology in the local church, or it's meaningless. That's right. What's Jeff say? It's all all theology is local local church church theology. theology. How do you put this into practice? How are you going to show love for one another and grace and mercy? So that's right. Well, I love it. You you did a good job of talking to us about the the very grid that Romans 14 sets out for us, that we need to filter things through. And again, we're not talking about absolutes. Right. We're talking about things where there's not an explicit thou shalt or thou shalt not in the Scripture about yeah. this. Yeah. We may call this uh, Christian liberty, yeah. uh, Christian freedoms. Yes. Uh, some people call it gray areas, yeah. although I can understand, like what you said, that there, there could be a little bit of issue over Better that. Better way to state that. Better way to say it. Yeah. From an expositor's point of view, before we get too far into the nuts and bolts of this, I was going to ask you, and I know you've preached through the book of Romans. um, What led you to stop the text uh, when you read Romans fourteen? It's almost like, man, how do you how do you just preach? uh, How do you not preach the entire chapter on this? But I believe you ended at verse fourteen. What uh, what led you to make that decision? Just a mere, to be honest with
0: you, a mere constraint of time. Time. Yes, sir. I preached mm. 20 minutes longer last night than I normally do. And very. And by the way, I'm very cognizant of that. Sure. I don't like to do that. I, yeah. I, I don't ask our people. And now nobody complained. Matter of fact, the only thing I've heard is, wow, we didn't even realize it. These were very positive yeah. remarks that they I was were, hearing. They were we thankful positive. for that. Yes. That
1: helped me. What a blessing. Well, we
0: just had a brother in here a minute ago, Caleb, and he said, man, I wish you'd have gone longer. You know, I mean, it, he said it was wonderful. We needed it. We do. Yeah. But, but you know, That's it. Uh, Brother, you have to make tough calls. Mm -hmm. And by the way, ending the sermon at verse 14 is not a good thing to do (laughs) because the whole chapter is one unit. But I didn't know what else to do. I mean, you know, and and so I was up against time constraints. And so as I looked for a break, it just seemed to me that beyond 14, you get into some repetition. And I felt Mm. like the first 14 verses encapsulated the thrust of what uh, needed to be said. And uh, so that's kind of how...
1: I made that decision. I I bring that up, and I'm glad that you said that like that, too, because – as an expositor, it's difficult to know when to cut it off, when yeah. to leave it. Sometimes you feel like you may be violating the text if you're doing it like that. But, but this is a standalone message. Yes. You've been preaching through the book of Revelation. Yes. Uh, this was a much needed, our, we needed to hear this, especially, I think, even in the climate of yeah. divisiveness. Yes. Not in the, our church, yeah. but just in the world today. Well, let me say this, brother, that pastor in a church
0: is like owning a 500-acre farm with a white picket fence around it. You're always painting. Mm. And to paint Hmm. the fence on the front 100 acres is to move to the fence on the east 100 acres and then to the fence on the south 100 acres and then to the fence on the west 100 acres. Yeah. And as soon as you get through painting the west end, you got to paint the north end again. Mm. As soon as you get through painting the north end, you got to paint the east end again and so forth and so on. Yeah. And that's the way it is in pastoring church. Now, Mm -hmm. I can sit here and tell you we've been through Matthew. We've been through Romans. I've addressed this before. But you know what? We've had a whole new crop of, as Paul respectfully calls Mm -hmm. them here, weak Mm -hmm. and new Christians and immature believers join our church that mean well Mm -hmm. and that love us. And they're here because of who we are. But they have a tendency to get tripped up on their preferences, Mm -hmm. and I can see it. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that and the Spirit of God, I'm trying to walk by the Spirit, I'm trying to be a good shepherd, then the Spirit begins to warn me and say to me, you know, it's time to address this again. And it might be tithing like I preached last night. It might be alcohol. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here it's non-biblical preferences. Mm -hmm. But I think the expositor has to be willing Mm -hmm. to step away from his exposition in the moment to address those painting the fence issues that are going to grow into a much greater issue if he doesn't. And I just think that's that practical aspect of shepherding that the shepherd knows the sheep. He's Mm -hmm. lived with them. He knows them. He loves them. And he knows when to take a break and address something that he sees maybe at our church here out of a scale of one to 10, this isn't even a one, (laughs) but I don't want it to become a five. I don't want it to become a seven. And so, you know, I'd rather go ahead and speak to it and address it so that we're all, as I said, minding the same thing and walking by the same rule. So all that factors into a decision. And let me tell you one other thing I do. Uh, and we may not make it much further than these types hey, of things, fine. which is fine, that's but fine. Um, I sit down every year, Kind of, I kind of take a fall break. Mm-hmm. And that, I usually take a break from my exposition, and I'll look at the holiday season, and I'll look at what's coming up, and I kind of schedule out the last two months or so of the year of where I believe the Lord would have me be. Mm-hmm. And it might be, there's going to be a couple of re- messages from Revelation, but I, I need to address this, I need to address this, I need to address this. And I did that this year, Mm -hmm. and I mapped out November and December, and uh, this was one of the messages that, through prayer, the Lord laid on my heart. So I wrote it on my date planner there of Mm -hmm. this is the Sunday that I think I'll preach that. And so just some planning, some looking down the road, uh, not flying by the seat of your pants, kind of having a plan. And uh, I try to take intentional breaks from my exposition. Martin Lloyd Jones says that's a good thing to do. G. Campbell Morgan says that's a good thing to do. W. A. Criswell mm. says that's mm. a good thing to do. John MacArthur, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other long term expositors, all Jeff Noblett. Yeah. Boy, he's a master. He's probably the best at it. Yeah. Of how to take breaks from your exposition to address your congregation and where they are. Yeah.
1: So that all together led me in this direction. Mm hmm. Well, again, coming out of one of the most divisive seasons that I think the world has seen in years, uh, it was much needed. Well, our church weathered that
0: very well, brother. We didn't have any problems. I'm thankful for that. There was just a very, very small little, um, I don't even know if you could call it, I don't even know what you'd call it, but kind of a... Uncomfortableness might be the best way of of the vaccine, mm-hmm. and uh, I understand, I I get it mm-hmm. that there are some people uncomfortable with the vaccine, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's no problem at all. Look, it's not a deal breaker. That's the whole issue of conscience that we're yep. going to get to in this text. If 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 your conscience is violated mm. for whatever reason, I don't even know I don't even know the reason, mm-hmm. but if your conscience is violated and you don't feel comfortable getting the vaccine by all it, by all means, you shouldn't get it. That's right. But hey, let's don't make that now a test of anybody in the church that does get it somehow, you know, they're not true to Jesus or not true to the Bible. Right. That is not what this is. And I think the church needs to hear that kind
1: of thing. And conversely, I would be in sin for telling somebody, well, you need to just go ahead and violate your conscience and do it. It doesn't matter. Well, I think (laughs)
0: that's what the world's doing, right? Yeah. The
1: world's saying,
0: you go get this vaccine no matter what. Yeah. Well, as Christians, we have a little bit different standard than that, that's and right. I, I'm not going to mandate a non-biblical, you know, preference. That's I'm right. just not. Yeah. Gonna, that's the whole point. Paul. Of Romans 14. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I di- I got it. I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. I'll probably go get a booster mm-hmm. because I've just been raised and taught that vaccines are a good thing and they're helpful. And mm-hmm. but hey, if you're not comfortable with that, I get it. It's yep. okay it doesn't I don't think anything it, I'll lock arms with you and go to war tomorrow it, right <clears throat> but I acknowledge that that's a preference and mm-hmm. we need more of that attitude and spirit in the Lord's church mm-hmm.
1: to not strain a gnat and swallow a camel which is what he says in this text yeah uh <clears throat> we uh you know one of the number the number one distinctive you just preached a message not long ago about the <clears throat> distinctives of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church yeah the number one distinctive was love for God love for one another right you know love for Christ love for yep. one another. And really, that's part of the grid that we're to start filtering this through. We saw that. I'll just go right into your first point where you said there that the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to receive each other. Yeah. Uh, right where we're at, with whatever baggage they may have, whatever scruples they may or may not have, we're to receive one another. Yeah. And that's where you took us to in verses 1, 2, and 3. It is, and it works
0: for both. Yeah. The Spirit of God put that word on both the weak and the strong. He yeah. said to the strong, receive the weak. And he said to the weak, receive the strong. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a reciprocity there. Yeah. The weak are to receive the strong insofar as they've walked a little bit further down the road in, in the liberties that they enjoy in yeah. Christ. To the strong, he says to receive the weak and to keep in mind that while they're not there yet, you shouldn't flaunt your liberty that's right. and use it as an occasion to throw a stumbling block in front of a weaker brother. Mm. Receiving is a beautiful word. It is. and And that's why Paul starts out with that. We have to have the attitude of receiving. And look, receiving somebody into the fellowship of this church— is much more important to me than mowing the yard on Sunday. Amen. If, if if a person that's contemplating coming to our church would be tripped up by seeing me out on a lawnmower mowing my grass on Sunday, that's an easy thing for me to lay aside. Amen. And I should be willing to do that. Hmm. That has to be our attitude. That has to be our spirit. And I think that encapsulates what Paul means when he says, he that's weak in the faith, receive him. Mm. And um, he that eats or doesn't eat, don't judge each other, receive each other. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the whole spirit in which um,
1: we're putting the person above our preference. Yeah. Yep. I think it was John MacArthur, and I may be misquoting uh, but I believe it was him who said something to this effect, your Christian liberty ends where your brother's conscience begins. Absolutely, man. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's that's a lot of truth that. That's esteeming the other as greater than yourself. That's, that's exactly putting right. Putting them ahead of yourself.
0: And, and by the way, a key word that Paul uses is, if I pronounce this in the Greek, "kreno," judge. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. used judge. in this text a lot about um, he that eats shouldn't judge his brother, mm. and he who chooses not to eat shouldn't judge his brother. In God's mind, to eat or not to eat is no issue at all. The servant stands in the eyes of his master whether he eats the meat or whether he doesn't eat the meat.
1: Hmm.
0: He has the approval of God. But when we in the church set those types of issues up as standards of rites of passage, Hmm. that's when the divisiveness comes and the cliques come and the party spirit comes Hmm. that divided so many of the first century churches. Hmm. Paul saw it firsthand I believe he saw that it was a potential at the church at Rome, hmm. which is why he wrote this text. He knew it was a <laughs> issue at Corinth. <laughs> and some of the other churches where Euodius and Syntyche are about to divide the church right down the middle over silly stuff. Yeah, And I think Paul is warning the church to see and identify what a biblical absolute is, hmm. see and identify what a preference is and learn how to treat them differently Mm -hmm. and not judge each other on the basis of preference now if a person's in clear sin we have to judge that we're commanded to judge it we're commanded to call that into account Mm -hmm. and this flies in the face of the whole judge not lest you be judged mindset of our culture there are some things we're told not to judge i.e non-biblical preferences that's right and there are some things we're commanded to judge and that is outright disobedience and sin mm-hmm. against the word of God. And it's the mature church yeah.
1: that sees the difference in those things. And that's what Paul is calling us to mm-hmm. in this text. Yep. The battle against that, too, is to do exactly what he says, receive, that's welcome. Right. To that you. needs to be our spirit and our heart. Yeah. Let's be honest, brother. And and obviously, does
0: this might be another example. Doesn't the Bible have something to say about modesty yes. and women dressing modest? Right. But does it quantify for us exactly what that is? Mm -hmm. And some churches, brother, almost go to ridiculous lengths, especially fundamentalist churches, of of literally specifying in policy manuals how many inches— Above the ankle, a skirt can go or not go. Mm -hmm. Well, now, brother, I'm all for modesty, 1,000% because the Bible lays that out. Mm -hmm. But I have no Mm -hmm. interest at all at standing at the foyer of the church with a tape measure, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's an issue of where you move beyond what the Bible teaches and you get into personal opinion. That's right. you've got to
1: be very, very careful there. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into conscience here in just a little bit on that, too. But... uh, you uh, you you said your second point in this was such a good one, uh, and really this battles against uh, those that have some of these standards because of a fear of man. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. But you said oh, one of the things that Paul addresses here in verse four is that we're one of the filters we need to run this through whenever we make these decisions in these areas is to only seek the master's approval.
0: Right. You know, he says in verse 4, Who are you that judges another man's servant? Mm. To his own master, which is Christ, mm-hmm. he stands or falls. Yes, he shall be held up, for God is able to make him stand. Mm-hmm. And the point he's making there is the whole idea of judging mm. uh, in a non-biblical preference. Right. That um, that servant, which we're all servants, mm-hmm. rises or falls in the eyes of his master. Mm not some group of elitists like the scribes and the pharisees that walk around with their checklists Mm -hmm. and their tape measures to measure a person's in their opinion fidelity to the master Mm -hmm. the master can see them the master can see their heart the master can see their love and their devotion to him Mm -hmm. and what god is saying this is a comforting thing yeah Today's proverb, the 29th day of the month, Mm -hmm. I read it just this morning, prayed through it. The fear of man brings a snare, Mm -hmm. but whoso trusts in the Lord Mm -hmm. will be safe. And what Paul is saying in this text is, don't look to man for your approval. Mm -hmm. Know that in Christ you already have it. Mm -hmm. You stand accepted in the beloved. Mm -hmm. You are approved of God. You are right in God's sight. So what should it matter Mm Why should you try to please those who are all about the scribes and the Pharisees keeping up appearances? Mm-hmm. And there might be a word at this point, brother, that I didn't even give to the church last night. But if you're in such a church mm. and you're constantly judged by man, yeah. by man's standards mm. that are non-biblical preferences, you might want to think about going and finding a church where that's not the rule of law, Yeah, where the rule of law is the Scripture and a man is has liberty in Christ as a priest before God, where the scripture doesn't clearly speak to an absolute. That's right. When men begin to fill in the blanks between preferences and absolutes, it's never a good thing. That's right. It always leads to scribes and Pharisees. Mm -hmm. It's legalism. It is. Because what we do is we set up a man-made code Mm -hmm. that God did not lay down. Yeah. And that becomes the test of fellowship. Yeah. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, seek my approval, Mm -hmm. seek to please me. I have laid down for you and my word what is absolute and what are the precepts and principles by which you must live your life. Mm -hmm. Don't look to an outside source Mm -hmm. to fill in the blanks. In the areas you're free, you're free before me. Mm -hmm. But in the areas where you're bound, you're bound before me. In other words, you rise or fall only in the eyes of your master. That's liberating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's freeing.
1: Mm And I, I hope that helps some people. It is, and there's, like you said, from Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. I think uh, there's safety in that. Yes. and the, one of the reasons for that is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today. He doesn't change his standards. That's he's right. immutable. Yep. He's not going to move the goalpost on you later on just because he want. You know, he's taken a fickle inkling towards this direction or that. And here's what I try to do, brother. I really fight for this. I really
0: fight hard. I do because I don't want to be a scribe, I don't mm-hmm. want to be a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. But if I see you as my brother, and and and, and we're out at uh, Walmart together, and I see you dress a woman up and down with your eyes, mm-hmm. I may not say anything to you, although I'm going to be grieved. Yeah. But then if I see you walk past the magazine aisle and you're looking at uh, a half-clad woman, I'm beginning to say, wait a minute. And finally, probably what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come to you and say, Joe, I'm only telling you this because I love you, brother. Please be careful. Watch your eyes. Yeah. Job thirty one, one make a Bro- covenant, make a covenant mm-hmm. with your eyes, brother. Don't look lustfully at women and are you struggling here? Because I love you and I want to help you. Yeah. But brother, if we're out at Walmart and you know, you you uh, uh buy a magazine that tells you You know the hottest day for the rut this year is going to be Sunday, and you you and Joey decide y'all are going to go hunting on December the whatever on Sunday morning. I'm probably not going to say a lot to you about that because I I recognize you love God. You're Mm -hmm. not forsaking the assembly. That's a preference. That's a choice. Maybe that's not a good example, but Mm -hmm. but brother, I fight for. Holding you to a biblical absolute, sure. But I'm going to give you liberty and grace, yeah. and grace where it's a matter of preference. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And brother, I fight for where that line is, mm-hmm. but I, I just feel like it's not my prerogative to come and violate you and your family right. in a matter of personal conscience. Yeah. I I believe that's your
1: responsibility, mm-hmm. yep. not mine. Absolutely. This, and this is something that we've talked about before. Uh, the The ter- It's it's never okay for a church to take an official stance on something that is an issue of conscience. That's unofficial. <laughs> that's not yeah, official, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's only official if it's in the Word of God. Amen. What is it MacArthur talks about? He says, I have no authority in and of myself, but that's when right. I preach the Word, then it's with it's all, all authority. It's all authority yeah. because it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good. Another filter that we're to run these through here, and buddy, this one has just, this one's rocked my world for years, is do all you do for the glory of God. Before right. you make a decision to do or not to do or to eat or not to eat, you've got to answer the question, can I do this for the glory of God? And if I choose not to do this, can I do that for the glory of God? Well, you know, in verses five and six, he talks about
0: one brother esteems one day mm. Another brother doesn't esteem a day. All days are just alike. Mm -hmm. He said every man should be fully persuaded in his own mind. Mm -hmm. He that regards the day, he should regard it to God with thanks. That's the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And the man that chooses not to regard one day above the other, he should be able to do that with thanks. Mm -hmm. Here would be the question. Um, If I choose to observe Christmas, Mm -hmm. and I do, Mm -hmm. and I choose to put up a Christmas tree and give gifts, I can do that, honestly, with thanks in my heart to God. I can do it for the glory of God. I can do it with great joy and Mm -hmm. peace. But if there's a brother in our church and he can't do that for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. my question would be, oh, that's fine. It doesn't offend me. But can you do that for the glory of God? Can you do that with joy? Or do you have some legalistic um, bent that you believe you have to keep up appearances to make yourself appear to be... Strong and orthodox and and unyielding. I don't know, yeah. but 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 the point is, I can tell you this: whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And Paul <laughs> brings that out in this text. Can you eat in faith? Can you abstain in faith? Can you celebrate a day in faith, or can you not celebrate a day in faith? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. So we do all that we do for the glory of God, and if we can't do it for the glory of God, brother, or if we can't. This is not good English. If we can't not do it for the glory of God, then we're in trouble. And so that's one of the grids we have to filter non-biblical preferences through. Hey, look, I might be free to do something, but can I do it for the glory of God? Can I do it with thanksgiving in my heart? Mm-hmm. You know, Or am I just pouting and insisting upon some little thing I want and I'm going to throw a little temper tantrum
1: about it? Right. And am I going to look down on others who choose to do it the opposite way? Exactly. You know? And and they may be, like you said, given full glory to God in not doing it or doing it. Yep, yep. The fourth, um, and just moving through these, that fourth um, grid marker here, and this is beautiful because I think this ties in a lot with seeking only the master's approval, but it's to be submissive to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Right. Oftentimes we will bind ourselves to whatever a man thinks or to whatever... Uh, standard or preference we've established but in verses seven through nine he lays down the, the the case of being submissive to the lordship of Jesus Christ he mentions the word Lord four times in verses seven through nine uh, it's
0: clearly asserting his lordship here over our lives and non-biblical preferences and mm-hmm. how we choose or choose not to engage in a certain thing that the Bible doesn't clearly speak to mm-hmm. and he says uh, no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself whether we live we live into the lord whether we die we die into the lord mm-hmm. whether we live or die therefore we're the lord's mm-hmm. and um <laughs> so you know the, the point is this can i enjoy a liberty for the glory of god or am i acting like a little spoiled brat insisting upon what i want and bringing great trauma and harm to other people yeah a person that's submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ doesn't act that way. That's right. Jesus, in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, mm-hmm. voluntarily yeah. laid aside his rights mm-hmm. and his prerogatives. Yeah. And he didn't lay aside his deity, Amen. but he laid aside the display of his deity voluntarily mm-hmm. of his own will and accord for the good of his people. Yeah. Whom he came to die for, mm-hmm, for our salvation. And, and you Goodness. mean to tell me that I can't lay aside a preference
2: mm-hmm.
0: for the lordship of Jesus Christ? See, the lordship covers everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a big lordship guy, mm-hmm. and 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 lordship covers everything. Mm-hmm. If if a thing is under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then it's yielded to him. Mm-hmm it's not going to wound another it's not going to intentionally hurt another person mm-hmm. because we're yielded to the lordship of Jesus Christ so when we're considering a non-biblical preference we have to check ourselves on this am i yielded am i submitted here in this area to the absolute
1: authority and the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ mm, that's good your next one was that you said uh, that you're to live your light all, uh, live your life always in light of the judgment seat buddy but that would would that not change the way we view preferences and the way that we view how other people's preferences are <laughs> to me this is the climax of
0: the text right here yeah paul says for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and mm-hmm. of course we understand that's believers mm-hmm. we're not in view here for whether we're lost or saved that's been settled on the cross mm-hmm. we're in review here for what kind of servants we were mm-hmm. in other words how we used our liberties that's right how we abstain from our liberties? Mm -hmm. Did we do it for the glory of God or were we selfish and poochy-lipped and pouty about it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Did we lay aside our prerogatives for the good of the body or did we selfishly insist upon what we wanted to to the trauma and the harm of people for whom Christ died? Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the genius of Paul, in my opinion. Uh, Obviously I'm Pauline to the core. He's my hero. Mm -hmm. And the thing I love about Paul is he was an athlete, he was sports-oriented, and he used the Greek games mm-hmm. constantly as an illustration of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And he and he pointed to the formally in the Greek stadia that Bema seat, that mm-hmm. elevated platform where the judge sat, a judgment seat, mm-hmm. the king's throne, and he could see the runners in the foot races on the track. And if they were on the track, they were Roman citizens. They were mm-hmm. already in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. They couldn't be on the track unless they were— Roman citizens. So mm. their citizenship was not in view here. Mm. What was in view was are they striving according to the law? No man receives a crown unless he strives lawfully, right. Paul said. So at the end of the race, they were brought before the Bema and reviewed for how they ran the race. Mm-hmm. That's going to be me and you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the race, we're going to be brought before the Bema seat of Christ and we're going to be reviewed for how we ran the race. Mm. And this is the genius of Paul's greatness in my understanding. Paul kept one eye on the track mm-hmm. and one eye on the judgment seat. Mm-hmm. Boy, that kept him balanced. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he always kept one eye on his running, and he kept one eye on his reviewer. Mm. He ran under the shadow of the bema seat. Mm. And here's what I'd say to every Christian. What you abstain in, what you engage in, what you enjoy, what you choose not to enjoy, had better be filtered through the knowledge that you are going before the judgment seat of Christ. And by the way, Mm -hmm. concerning the judgment seat of Christ, lest you think this is going to be a cakewalk, Mm -hmm. Paul said these words, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, Mm -hmm. we persuade men.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: He said that about the Bema seat. Mm -hmm. He understood that going before the Lord, even saved, is going to be a terror filled experience because we're going to come into the presence of absolute pristine pure holiness where every motive is exposed mm. every word is shouted from the housetop every idle thought is is brought into review and look that humbles me real quick because i've said a lot of things I'd, i wouldn't want you to hear right i i you know i i've had a lot of hard attitudes to be quite frank with you i wish you never knew about mm-hmm. and the lord's going to see he already sees he knows He already knows. And so every preference that I have that I've insisted upon, the Lord knows if I did that for his glory Mm. and my good, or if I did it to prove a point and to step on somebody's throat and to prove to them that I'm more spiritual than you are. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to these non-biblical preferences, brother, they have to be enjoyed or abstained from. In light of our coming review, mm. we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account to him of the things we've done in this flesh, mm. whether it be good or bad, Romans yep. says. Mm. First Corinthians says a similar mm-hmm. thing.
1: Yep. Mm. So, Number six, he said... Uh, uh, from verse 15 when it comes to, and this is probably more towards, I guess, the uh, stronger brother, but don't flaunt your preferences.
0: Yeah, I think it's verse 13. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, don't put a stumbling block mm. or an occasion to fall in your mm. brother's way. Mm-hmm. This goes along with what I've just said. Mm-hmm. Um, brother, you and I have both seen recently a brother that we love dearly that just basically got here and said, look, I'm free to do this. Mm-hmm. It's none of your business. You can like it or lump it. I don't mm-hmm. care if you like it or lump it. He's basically said that to his church. Right. Well, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Destroyed his ministry, destroyed his family, destroyed his church. Yeah. And all because he was being selfish mm-hmm. and self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. He ceased to be concerned for the glory of Christ. Mm. And by the way, he ceased to be concerned for the welfare of people given under his spiritual care, which mm. is unbelievable. Yeah. And the result, history has recorded, is disaster. Mm. And so we don't flaunt our liberties, brother. Amen. Look, if maybe I am free to hunt on a Sunday morning. Hmm. But if I know there's a brother that comes into our church and he struggled with sin and his dad laid down some guidelines for him, son, you better not ever hunt on Sunday. If I ever hear you hunt on Sunday, I'm going to wear you out. (laughs) And for him, that's just a no-fly zone. Yeah. I shouldn't pull him to a small group Sunday school classroom and say, hey, I just want to let you know, man, you're so immature. Mm. You need to get over that. Man, you're bound up. Uh, You know, you need to come over to the light here. You need to experience some liberty. All I'm doing is just exasperating that guy. That's right. I'm flaunting my liberty in front of him. Mm -hmm. And there's a thousand different ways that that's manifest that we can't even enumerate here Mm -hmm. today. But basically in our hearts as Christians that walk with God, we should know Mm -hmm. when we're being offensive Mm -hmm. and we should know when we're flaunting a liberty. And that's a no fly zone. We shouldn't go there. We should not flaunt our liberties before, obviously, our church is filled. Every church has weaker brothers Mm -hmm. that we know. Is going to trip them up. Our love for them should demand that we don't ever... But our love for Jesus
1: yeah. should demand that we never do that. It should produce humility. Always. And, and there should be a genuine fear of what it would mean to be a stumbling block to another brother or sister in Christ. That There should be... Because the Bible has a lot of things to say about those who would lay a stumbling block before somebody else. At the close
0: of this chapter, you know, Paul says in verse 21... It's good to not eat flesh or drink wine or any, anything mm. by which my brother stumbles or is offended or make weak. And boy, if you want to take it to another level, mm. in First Corinthians he said, uh, if it offends my brother... As long as I live on this earth, I'll never eat meat again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a rendering of 1 Corinthians eight thirteen from my memory as close as I can get. Yeah. Basically what Paul says, look, I'll never, I'll never let meat touch my lips again as long as I stand on this earth. Yeah. If it causes my brother to stumble, that needs to be our attitude. Not, it's a liberty, God didn't condemn it, I can do it if I want to, y'all just deal with it. That's right. Brother, that, that is reckless, and by the way, by the way, completely unacceptable for a pastor, amen. for an elder who has been given a bishop a, 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 an oversight of the souls of men. Yeah. That's uncompassionate. Mm-hmm. That's ungracious, mm-hmm. unloving, and unkind, and frankly, selfish. It is. That I would be more concerned about me enjoying a liberty than I would about my brother that's bleeding and cut up over there because I just ran over him with a skid loader, you know? Yep. yep. Uh, d- the cross demands more of all of us, but especially it demands more of gospel, gospel preachers that have souls
1: under their watch care. I saw recently in this, not too far off topic, I don't think, but it fits right in here, but... You know, with regards to all of the mask mandates and everything, there was yeah. a there was a pastor not far from here yeah. who basically stated if you come into our church with a mask on, you're not gonna be allowed to come in here. Yeah. And that was the idea I thought there too of flaunting our liberty and just you know, he 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 believes he's so free to to not wear one that he's not gonna be bound by some mandate here. There was just no humility in him. And it, like sounded you said, like, no concern it sounded for like it sounded like and I'm not trying to be
0: disrespectful, it sounded like a Donald Trump rally. Yeah. You know, it's it's let's let's go beat somebody up, let let's let's poke our chest out and be the big dog on the block and throw yep. out some big aggravated uh tirade rant. Yep. That may be okay for a president. That's up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not okay for a gospel preacher, brother. Amen. And uh you know what myself And thousands of other people that heard that, I guarantee you, and he'll never know it, said in our minds, that's fine. I won't ever set foot in your church. No. And I guarantee that's what happened because that's arrogance. It's pomp. Yeah. It's pride. It's what made the looser for the Satan.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It's I will, I will, I Mm -hmm. will, I will. That is not the way of Christ. That's not the way of Jesus Christ. It's not the way of humility. That's the way of arrogance and pride. Mm -hmm. And God resists the proud. Yeah. And he gives grace, grace to the humble.
1: Amen. <clears throat> Amen. The final, the final uh, <clears throat> grid that we're to filter all these decisions through is never violate your conscience. Yes, sir. It's never violate, and that's just the safe, the the safe keeper that uh, that the Lord gives to. You said it yesterday, all the way across the board, believers and non-believers alike have yeah. a conscience. Yes, sir. Uh, you know Paul addresses that in Romans chapter
2: one,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but. In verse 14 of our chapter, he says, I'm persuaded by Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself. Look, here's the conscience. But to him that it esteems anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe this theologically. I, I don't know exactly where the lines fall, so have mercy on me here. Mm-hmm. But um, I do believe Romans chapter 1 that we're all born with a conscience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I believe it can be seared. Yeah. I believe that you can sin against it. Yeah. I believe that your heart can be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin mm-hmm. to the standpoint that you never hear that voice anymore, which yeah. is a moral compass. That's what I believe it is. It's a moral compass yeah. that tells you this is right and this is wrong. And I think we all, even fallen, come into this world with it, Romans 1 reveals. Uh, but when you're redeemed, and I don't know where the lines are, hmm. but when you're born again and you're born from above and you, you're you regenerate and you experience a new birth, there's a fine line that I don't that, that that I don't even think you can divide mm-hmm. between your conscience and the Holy Spirit. Right. I think they almost become f- one mm-hmm. and and seamless. Mm-hmm. That the Holy Spirit uses your conscience to say to you, you know that's wrong, mm-hmm. you know that attitude's wrong, you know you can't do that, and you would be very wise to listen to that voice. Amen. And you're very unwise to go against it. Mm-hmm. And I can only tell you this, that I i have a very keen conscience. The longer I walk with Jesus, the sharper it gets. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Now, I sin against it because I'm a fallen creature just like you are. And sometimes I do stupid stuff and don't listen to the voice of my conscience. But every time I don't, I live to regret it. Mm -hmm. And every time I do, I'm thankful for it. It saves me from a world of heartache, saves me from stupid stuff. Mm. It saves me from making a bunch of dumb Mm mistakes and hurting people and hurting myself and hurting my family and being embarrassed, (laughs) quite, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would just say that James said it this way, Mm. to the man that knows to do good and does not do it, to that man it's sin. And so, yeah, there may be something that is a liberty. Mm -hmm. There may be something that I might not be necessarily textbook sin if I do this, but if I esteem it to be unclean, Mm -hmm. or here's another thing. I don't know any other way to say it than say it like this. I know in my heart there's not a scripture maybe that says this, thou shalt not. But I just know from history, I know me, I know from history, if I do this, Satan's going to beat me up. Yeah, He's going to jump on this. He's going to beat me up. He's going to condemn me for three or four days. Yeah. I'm going to lose my joy. I'm going to lose power in the pulpit. I, I'm, I'm not going to have that edge I need. Mm. I, does that make sense? Absolutely. And so I've just had to learn, brother, that there's some conscience issues that I know are not profitable, mm-hmm. and I esteem this thing to be unclean. And so, to me, it's unclean. It might not be for you. Right. See, that that's where that, if you will, gray area. And I hate to use that. Yeah, yeah. But that's where that comes in. That there might be something you can enjoy mm-hmm. that y- your conscience doesn't, um, you know, pierce you over. Yeah. That it does me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not necessarily think that makes you more spiritual than me, or I'm not necessarily sure that makes me less spiritual than you, right. but neither you or I better ignore it. That's right. See, that's the point. Mm-hmm. You and I better not ignore it. Mm-hmm. And it, and and I think you love me enough. I mm-hmm. think you do, and right. I think you've done this before, mm-hmm. that you would say to me, Pastor, if that violates your conscience, brother, I, I, I would say you probably don't need to do that. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking in the back of your mind, I think you'd be completely okay if he did it, but... If it's a uh, issue for him that Satan's going to beat him up about it, uh, no, no, you you probably shouldn't do that.
1: That's right. That's just wise counsel, brother. I think so too. You don't want to ever give Satan any kind of a foothold in your life. The at word all.
0: in the Greek is topography. Topos. We yeah. get our word
1: topography
0: from that word. Give no place to the devil. Is that Ephesians? Ephesians somewhere right in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that word give no place is topos. Don't give any real estate. Mm-hmm. Don't. And I know when I'm doing it believe me yeah I know when I'm giving him a toehold I I know when I'm giving him and by the way give Satan an inch he'll clear a city block he will (laughs) he just like a bull in a china shop Mm -hmm. and so I've had to learn through the years to live on a short leash Mm -hmm. not let my flesh you know stray very far in these areas Mm -hmm. and when my conscience says to me no Mm -hmm. I don't even have to know all the reasons Mm -hmm. I better just let it be a no Mm-hmm. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And mm-hmm. I've had to learn how to walk in that. Mm-hmm. So the conscience is a powerful tool yeah. that the Holy Spirit uses as a moral
1: compass to guide us in the way that we should go. That's right. Don't ignore it. Amen. Can't do it. It's dangerous ground Whatever yes, it you is. do. Look at, we mentioned Hymenaeus and Alexander earlier. They yeah. made shipwreck, Paul says, of the faith. Yeah. You know, by violating Spilled over to conscience. the faith, didn't Can it? you imagine? Yeah. Yep. Well, brother, thank you. Uh, before we uh, leave here, th- again, this was, a, a, I believe, a very timely message, but I believe it's also going to be a very useful message, one that we can refer brothers and sisters back to, uh, you know, maybe even years down the line and just say, well, you're dealing with an issue here. You've got a choice to make in here. Here's a here's a here's a gr- a biblical grid to run that decision making process through. You always
0: ask me if I have one last thing and you haven't asked me that, but I'm just gonna throw it Here out it there. Comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just you know, I always say this, brother, I always bring it back to the local church. Yeah. From the tip of my head to the sole of my feet, I'm a local church guy. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I was born for the local church, brother. Born again for the local church and man, I love the Lord's church and I would just say, I beg anybody listening, please don't Make one of your preferences a test of fellowship in your local church. Amen. Please please don't be used of Satan Mm. to divide your church over, if you were blunt, honest, is one of your preferences. Don't do that. Amen. That's what Paul is appealing to in this text. Don't don't go there. Mm -hmm. Recognize what a biblical absolute is and die there. Mm -hmm. But don't die on preferences. That's right. It's the glory of a man to... Uh, overlook a overlook. fault. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're just one of those people that looks for points of divergence, if you're one of those people that just lives for being able to point out where somebody else took a misstep, that is great immaturity. It do is. is. D- 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 Satan's got a victory in your life. Don't let mm-hmm. him have that kind of ground. Learn how to, in Jesus, gloriously overlook a fault. Mm-hmm. And let the secondary things go for the sake of the primary thing, the Word of God. Don't exalt your personal preferences on par with sacred scripture. Hmm. I I just hope somebody listens to that that needs to hear that. Most people in the church that I've had issues with, it's not over a scriptural absolute. It's over one of their pet peeves Hmm. that our traditions Mm -hmm. that they have exalted to the same level with sacred scripture.
1: Satan will tear a church all to pieces if you do that. Amen. So when, bottom line is we're not talking about unity at all costs, but we are talking about a unity that may cost you something. Man, you that's a great statement, brother. Yeah. I, I, that is a profound way to put it.
0: Uh, you, need to, you need to copyright that. Can I tweet that? <laughs> yeah, you need to copyright that. <laughs> Absolutely. You Amen. can tweet it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much for the way that you're shepherding the flock here and uh, just me and my family, we appreciate you. We love you very much. Amen, Glad you're back from vacation. Me too. And looking forward to many more of these. For our listeners out there, we mm-hmm. just want to let you know that we love you so much too. And again, please uh, be encouraged. Um, uh, go on to our website, take a look at and listen to some of the sermons that Brother Jono has preached even during this uh uh this kind of uh in in between time here uh, as we're looking forward to getting back into the book of revelation but again the name of this sermon that he just preached through was called unity in non-biblical preferences from romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 14. i'd highly encourage you to get online Mm -hmm. and to check that out and if you have any questions for us about anything uh, please feel free to email me at brojo at smbconline.com. I just want to throw this out here. The True Church Conference is coming up here in February. The registration is open now on their website, anchoredintruth.org, or you can find the link in our description. And we've already uh, helped to make reservations for a couple of pastors who wanted to go and to be a part of that. And if this is something that you would like to do, please give us a call. We would love to uh, meet you. We'd love to uh, invite you to come to this conference. It is a sweet time of fellowship, but more than that, it's going to be a sweet time of uh, sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. Well, we love you so much. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother John O's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at John o. Sims.